Welcome to Look See, the podcast for the art curious in Richmond and beyond. I'm Paige Goodpasture. For the exhibition In Search of Our Mother's Gardens, We Made Armor, artist and curator Mahari Chabuera creates a sanctuary site for Black women artists to honor their ancestors and honor and care for themselves. A safe place to make and show work, to be vulnerable, to be glorious, to heal, to grow, to dream. Mahari has gathered a group of six Black women artists who are each exploring the tension between protection and vulnerability, who are embracing the opportunity to be seen as artists in this cultural moment, while also being thoughtful about what is seen and who will control those images. In the show, there are hat tips to commercial art and advertising in the works of photographer Ricky Weaver and Taylor Simone, for example. Both artists invoke the styles and methods of pop culture and advertising, areas that have made use of images of black women for their own purposes, to push back on that history and assert control over their personal identities and histories. Brooklyn-based artist Krista Pratt uses the ideas and iconography of Afrofuturism to create expressly queer, womenist vignettes of an intimate world that celebrates black femme spirituality, liberation, and autonomy. And Pratt and others, including Nastasia Swift and Abigail Lucien, use intimate, everyday materials and imagery to convey strength, pride, and power. In this freedom-sharing, sanctuary-making exhibition, Mahari Chabwera shows that art as liberatory magic medicine-making is a way to mend trauma and replace it with something that is rooted in freedom and an ethic of love. In Search of Our Mother's Gardens, We Made Armor is on view now through December 8th at Sediment Arts. Hi, I'm Mahari Chabwera, and I am the artist and curator and lead of this project entitled In Search of Our Mother's Gardens, We Made Armor. I'm here today at Sediment Arts with Mahari, and we are sitting among the works in this exhibition that you curated, Mahari. And I'd like to start out by talking about that title. Yeah, so Alice Walker, she has a, um, a collection of essays entitled In Search of Our Mother's Gardens. And there's a particular essay um, that also holds that title. That was the impetus for this show. And in it, she discusses this tradition of what I call like uh, liberatory magic making, this act of kind of tapping into our creative powers with whatever resources we had generations back for black women and black families. And she goes on to talk about how this practice is something that she is able to live in in a way that her mother wasn't able to live in it, or her grandmother. And so that became the start for the show, the, this, this idea for the show and the conversations that all the artists were having to trigger the work that they made for the show. We Made Armor came in as a sort of acknowledgement of the shielding and protection that we have to do when it comes to being able to make this work, to be able to be vulnerable in the world, to tap into how this work comes about. There's a contradiction that is is held there in the concept of making armor and the idea of being vulnerable. And I feel like that is one of the 
the themes or the ideas that runs throughout the show and that is sort of core to your concept for, you know, as the curator of this exhibition, that there's a protectiveness that's necessary walking through the world as a black woman for you all as artists today and also for your mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers and different ways and different ways they lived that in their lives and times. And then there's also a vulnerability in, I feel like for me when I'm walking around and experiencing the work in this show that many of the works are about the, the power of taking your self, taking back your identity so that it's defined from the outside in instead of the inside out, and also putting it out there. So I don't know whether that makes sense. So it's protective and, and also exposed right. at the same time. I think you're on it, and it kind of reminds me of the conversation we were having before we started recording about Beyonce and this practice that she has of being very clear and boundaried and armored about the way that she presents herself in the world and in regards to her creativity, but also being extremely vulnerable and the type of content that she's putting out and the way that she's connecting with people and I think that, that that thread is something that we all in this show are trying to balance. Right? How do we tap in to a depth, right? Because that's just what we feel like we have to do as artists, but how do we do it in a way that's sustainable, that's healthy, where we're protecting ourselves and each other. So Mahari, you've gathered the works of is it seven including you or six including you? Six including you. So six artists, including you, mm-hmm. for this exhibition. And I'd love to talk a little bit about each of the artists and what about them and their work drew you to them. We're sitting here at the doorway to the gallery looking at all of the work. So Ricky Weaver is one of the artists in the show. She is living right now in Ypsilanti, Michigan, and she made these incredible photographs where she was on site at her grandmother's gravesite. And I actually, in installing for this show, there was a couple that walked by and saw these photos and used the word ground communion. And since then, that's how I've been describing these works, because they really were a way of her going to this land where her, where her grandmother's body is and communing with her body and in that way communing with her spirit and making these photos she said she just had this like visceral pool to just lay down on top of where her grandmother's body is buried and then there are two larger photos which are not uh, part of this ground communion series but have her kind of rising and resting in this very Carrie Mae Weems reminiscent kitchen series kind of aesthetic. There's a magical quality or a mysticism to her work. The images that are in the kitchen that are you described as as sort of Carrie Mae Weems like. There's an otherworldliness to them though that I don't 
associate with Carrie Mae Weems. Mm. You know, they're in one of the images. I assume is it Ricky who is the subject in mm-hmm. the photo. So she appears to be floating almost like she's been taken hold of by a spirit or something in the kitchen. It's beautiful and graceful and yeah. and in the the series of her in the graveyard where her grandmother is buried, there's also just this steep, deep sense of spirituality yeah. and and really magic. Is that something that she expressly explores in her work? Yeah, I actually had the luxury of having um, studio visits with all the artists, but the visit that I had with Ricky, I had with Taylor at the same time. And for hours, we were talking about feeling our grandmother's force, feeling that spirit, having these signs and these guideposts constantly sort of telling us what to do next and how to move. So that's very much a part of Ricky's practice and the way that she thinks about the work that she makes and how she gets clear about how she just needs to move through the world as a, as a person, as a black woman. And then in the middle of the gallery is a sculptural piece. Can we talk a little bit about that artist? Mm-hmm. So the piece in the center, the white felt sculpture, is a piece by Nastasia Swift, who is an artist living and working, we'll say, in Richmond and Virginia Beach. And she was thinking about with this work, actually it began with this postcard that she found that depicted an image of Virginia Beach, which used to be the beach where only white folks could go in Virginia. And thinking about how could she make space for this black girl to have this experience at the beach, maybe kind of memorializing this this moment that wasn't always possible. So what she ended up making is a is a maybe three feet tall sculpture of a little black girl with twists in a bathing suit, holding a cloth, a blue cloth, dipped in beach water from Virginia Beach, surrounded by a fabric that has sand attached to it. So what is the, what is the history of her working with felt? Yeah, I think the way that she thinks about the color, at least I'll start with, is, is similar to the way that Carrie James Marshall thinks about his use of black in his paintings as a way to sort of set the stage in a very kind of clear way so that you can move on and experience the work beyond its color. Nastasia also talks about how her use of white makes it so that she has to be very meticulous and very particular with the way that she makes the object, the way that she sculpts the face, the way that she fleshes out form, that where color may allow her to kind of skip past some of those details, she has to really, she has to really work with the material. And then I think back to that conversation that we were having about vulnerability and kind of playing with softness versus like this sense of armor or this sense of maybe hardness or even strength that are normally attributed to black women. This super soft, super flexible material kind of subverts that and plays into this this idea of softness. 
So then there is a completely different type of sculpture mm-hmm. that um, actually two pieces that are uh, also in the middle of the gallery. One of them is made with pieces of rebar and other items that are incorporated into that shape that um, some of which are made from shea butter or cocoa butter. And then another piece that is a little bit more subtle, but also made from those same materials. So tell us about that artist. Yeah, that's Abigail Lucian. She is an artist here in Richmond who's actually also a sculpture professor at VCU. And she also is really interested in playing with perception and I think encouraging the viewer to engage with her work in a, in a deeper way, asking them to slow down and really see. So we have this like really thin, kind of subtle, delicate rebar archway kind of structure that's cradling cocoa butter like a a jar of cocoa butter that's melting and hardening, melting and hardening back and forth. Also cradling this satin do-rag, which is, you know, an item black women are very familiar with, having to wrap our hair every night. So you're playing back again with this softness and this vulnerability and also this conversation about care and then these bricks which act as like a foundational material but are made out of again a soft pliable cocoa butter and so that back and forth between softness and triggering like sensory reactions but also a firmness or a foundation I think those are conversations that Abigail is is working in. Do you feel like that's her way of exploring questions of black womanhood and ways in which she herself and black women historically have had to sort of exist in the world is having this this softness and this I mean the rebar is a a hard unyielding material and it's cradling these very soft things that are are all materials of of self-care and and sort of intimate private things Mm -hmm. too whereas the rebar is this you know you used as a like a keep out but also as a structural holding up a concrete wall Mm -hmm. so yeah I think for Abigail the conversation is is much more or she's much more intrigued with how other people come to the work and place whatever understanding whether it's right or wrong, they may have about these kinds of objects and these kinds of objects in conversation with each other much more than she's explicitly trying to get at something for herself. I think she has like a level of clarity and is much more interested in in encouraging the viewer to find that clarity for themselves. There is also an artist in this show that is overtly using hair as part of the presentation of her work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so our last, oh no, second to last artist is Krista Pratt. And she is an artist right now living and working in Brooklyn, New York. And she has a series of, let's see, six paintings here. Three of them feature 
synthetic hair that black women often use to braid in or add extensions to their hair. And then two planet sculptures, two hanging sculptures, which also incorporate this hair. And again, like, like Abigail, uh, Krista's committed to this exploration of what caring for herself looks like in this world while also continuing to be an artist and navigate structures that aren't that invested in her well-being. I was listening to a conversation that Toni Morrison was having, and she said this thing about wanting her work to be a private act for public consumption, and I think that that's a perfect way to describe the way that Krista goes about making her work. It's very much a way for her to self-soothe that she just happens to also share with us. And that also makes me think of Beyonce. (laughs) (laughs) And and any performer does that, but there's so much more history to the idea of public consumption that, you know, as a creator of color might be something that is a little bit more complicated. Yeah, which is a nice segue into Taylor. (laughs) Taylor is the artist who made the two portal pieces in the corner, and she received her her degree, uh, her MFA in graphic design from VCU last year. And that was one of the main conversations that we were having about this show is is the idea of, of how much of yourself do you give away, especially as a black woman artist, where the industry or the marketplace is very much opening their doors to us right now, right? Like how, how much do we keep for ourselves? How do we distinguish what's authentic from, from what isn't? And how do we make sure that we're not playing into stereotypes that don't feel good, right? That aren't rooted in, in our well-being or an actual care for how we make the work that we make. And so Taylor's work, the primary medium is paper, Mm -hmm. and they're both very large pieces that are in the corners and are three-dimensional and have many layers. Yeah. So Taylor's work, these two pieces that she made, two sculptures that exist kind of pushed into the corner of the space, but then kind of jumping out or propelling out towards the bottom are reminiscent of photographs that she was encouraged to take by her grandmother growing up, always positioned in the corner. And so her grandmother is actually the figure that's featured in both the pieces, along with some drawings that Taylor made, some images, and some of the photographs that were taken of her growing up. There's a sense of revealing Mm -hmm. in them. The experience that I had seeing them is that there were layers that had been kind of selectively pulled away to reveal not only what was behind the layer, but what was on the back side of the layer. There are many, many different layers of imagery in this work. The layers have been sewn together and then sort of intentionally pulled apart, but not entirely. They're not fully visible. They're still, you kind of have to sort of get down on the ground and peek up to see what's underneath 
How does she speak to that element? A good quote that sparked the work that Taylor chose to make for this show is Sir Jonah's Truth's quote, I sell the shadow to protect the soul. The last word might be a different word than soul, but that's, that's the gist of the, of the quote. And so again, that's, that's back to having like a conscious control of how much of yourself you want to give to allow to be seen, to allow to potentially be consumed in order to continue to exist. There's always that back and forth between, I think with black women in particular, but with everyone, of thinking about how much we want to be seen, but oftentimes being in spaces where we're invisible or value is just not not being placed right on the work that we're making or the things that we we have to offer and so when we are in a place to actually mold that space or mold that conversation how much of ourselves do we really want to give away in taylor's work which is very graphic Mm -hmm. as in graphic design or graphic arts when you first see it sort of as a big picture and not really looking at the details it's it's got a sort of a sense of advertising almost like a warhol-ish quality to it mm-hmm. and ricky's photographs especially the ones of her in the kitchen and then some of her other work she is also exploring this idea of the consumption of the image and wanting to recognize that and draw attention to it but also to take control of it Mm -hmm. and to mold it to reveal what she chooses to reveal as opposed to what someone else might want to use that image to sell or reveal or whatever. So I also think that that's just an interesting theme that is running throughout some of this work is this idea of consumption Mm -hmm. and wanting to take back control of that. Yeah. Two of us went to the Colored Girls Museum in Philly this past summer, and we met the woman who runs that space, Vashti, and she had a conversation with us about this 400-year mark that we're in right now, 400 years since the first enslaved black people were brought to this land, actually, you know, an hour away from here in Yorktown, Virginia, that number being a magical number, being a a transitory number, one that's indicating a shift. You know, you look around at media, this industry in particular, all kinds of businesses, and you see those who are in charge, you see that, that the demographic is changing, that voices that maybe historically haven't had the support to be heard, the foundation to be heard, are in control right now. And I think, I think it's pervasive. I think we were all tapping into some of that in the work that we made for this show. And so the one piece that we haven't talked about yet is your piece. So it is a black and white portrait that uh, we encounter immediately upon entering the gallery. And it's, I can't pretend to have seen your entire body of artistic work, but your work that I'm familiar with is very different from this piece. It's very colorful, iconic, and symbolic. 
and this beautiful portrait seems to be a very simple and straightforward, loving tribute to the woman in the portrait. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, it's a very soft charcoal drawing of my great-grandmother, Minnie Mae Carter. And there's the portrait, and then there's text next to it. And the top text is a, um, a copy of a poem that we found that Gigi wrote, my great-grandmother wrote. And then the bottom text is the poem rewritten in my grandmother's hand. And I think that that was one of the most amazing parts of this whole project. One of the themes that runs through Alice Walker's essay is this idea, right, that that our mothers, our grandmothers were poets, were artists, and they weren't allowed to live in that in the way that we are. And I didn't realize how close to home that was. I didn't know that my great-grandmother was a poet. So that was really beautiful to find out. And beautiful that your grandmother paid homage to her in that way in rewriting her poem in her own hand almost to to make it more a part of her. Yeah. You know, when you really want to absorb something, you write it in your own handwriting. Mm -hmm. And that's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Another person that you mentioned briefly that seems to be a big influence on you and your work is Toni Morrison. And Mm -hmm. we've all been reacquainting ourselves with her work after her passing. You have been named a BMFA fellow this year, Mm -hmm. 2019-20. And you have chosen to follow some of Toni Morrison's words by staging this exhibition and sharing the gift of the VMFA Fellowship, the earned gift, with these six artists and choosing to make part of what you do with that fellowship, staging this exhibition, and then also sharing the stipend with the artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me see if I can remember the line. The function of freedom is to free somebody else. And I think... I mean, nothing beats collectivity. I think it's the greatest gift we all have. And this is a project that I have been trying to get funding for, actually, for a couple of years. And I didn't even really anticipate using the fellowship for this. It's beautiful how things fall into place and how they just make sense. And I think that this this project has been clarifying for me about how I want to move through the world from this moment forward. Like this kind of, this kind of work, this kind of freedom sharing, sanctuary making, just engendering a place for black women to have conversations and to share what we make feels very clear for me. In describing your work and also how you think about the work of the artists in the show is that making art is liberatory magic medicine making. Mm-hmm. And I love that. So is that how you think about, is that what art is for you? Yeah, that's exactly what, what it is for me. And I think that that's, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I can a little bit, at least for, for Taylor and Ricky and, and Krista, that's what I know it is for them too, a way to, to self-soothe, you know, to mend 
this trauma and hopefully replace it with something that feels good and is rooted in freedom and an ethic of love and connectivity to all of those that came before us. When this exhibition ends, Mm -hmm. you are going to have a pop-up market on Mm -hmm. December 7th. Mm -hmm. Is that right? So can you tell us more about that so we can all put it on our calendars? Yeah, Saturday, December 7th, I think at 12 p.m. I really wanted to think about how to expand this space of freedom or this space of sanctuary beyond you know, artists or fine art practices or, you know, the galleries. So there is a phenomenal woman (laughs) who born and raised in Richmond, Andrea Nicole, who runs a collective called Handmade and RVA. And she is facilitating bringing other black women vendors into this space uh, to host a market on Saturday where they can sell whatever it is they make from lotions to jewelry to hand curated, you know, thrifted clothing, and then any profits that they make while they are having the market here, they keep. So it's just, it's more space for black women. Mm -hmm. So that is here at Sediment Arts Mm -hmm. at uh, noon, starting at noon on December 7th. Yes. Awesome. Well, Mahari, thank you so much for coming and meeting me at the gallery and talking about this exhibition. It's been such a gift. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of the Look-See podcast. If you're curious to learn more about the art and artists you hear on the podcast, check out our website, lookthensee.com. There you'll find much more to listen to, watch, read, and do. You'll find images of artists' work, peeks into artists' studios, thoughts on the work of making art, and details of where you can see art in and around Richmond. Check us out. I'm Paige Goodpasture. Thanks for listening, and go see art.